Emma has measles, right? Uh, you have Mrs. Weston uh, looking after her, right? And Emma gets that bit back, right? She says, do you remember that, right? And uh, they, they talk about Mrs. Weston. So uh, why can't we have the dance at Mrs. Weston's place instead of having it uh, at the crowd? Right? So that's the kind of thing that happens, right? And of course, we've already had the idea of Miss Bates, right? And uh, this is a build-up of a character or the kind of understanding that other people have about Miss Bates, right? So we're talking about how slowly characters also build up, right? And uh, we're talking uh, still within the framework of um, E.M. Foster's flat and round characters, right? Yeah, so we're talking about how do uh, how do the characters build up and what happens over here is it has already been mentioned that Miss Bates is useless. She'll only come and say all sorts of nice things and uh, shower applause uh, uh, and uh, be in agreement with everything, right? Yeah, and what happens over here is you have this kind of a dichotomy between Miss Stokes uh, Mrs. Stokes and uh, Mrs. Weston, right? And uh, the idea is that when you have uh, Emma who is sick, Perry says, well, I can trust Mrs. Uh, that's as Miss Taylor, right? I could trust Mrs. Weston. And what happens there is Mrs. Ta uh, Mrs. Weston actually uh, uh, wraps Emma up in the proper manner, right? Now, you must remember that even measles today may be a, uh, not a problem for many people, but it's a childhood, uh, 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 it's a childhood disease, and at one point of time, people used to die of measles, right? Yeah, mumps, measles, all those kind of things. Uh, German measles, I don't know what the difference between German measles and other measles, right? But you have people, uh, children succumbing to the disease, right? So uh, that was a huge uh, problem because we don't have. We didn't have at that point of time uh, antibiotics, right? And we didn't have modern medicine as we have today, right? So I think uh, we have to think of the idea of medicine and the uh, idea of how medicine is being portrayed and the idea of uh, this man called Mr. Perry, who we have not even met, but who comes again and again into the novel as a character, right? Yeah, and he's. Uh, and he's trusted and he's talked about with almost uh, total faith, right? Yeah, so that's, uh, and his word is authority, right? So the idea of who are you going to uh, believe, right? And if uh, the, the strength of authority or the argument about uh, how do you say that Miss Be Mrs. Weston is not as good or better than Mrs. Stokes, right? And we have uh, the approval of none less than Mr. Perry, who is uh, to be trusted by everyone. Can you see that? How the argument is working, right? And the argument is actually working to say that Miss uh, Weston's place is good enough, right? Now, what is e even more interesting is uh, Mrs. Bates. Uh, Miss Bates is again talked of as being allowed in, right? as not really as a counsellor but as an approver 
right? Yeah, so she's gonna come in and she'll be very happy over there because the idea is as a counselor, as somebody to be asked, right? She wouldn't want to take responsibility, right? Or the more likely thing is she wouldn't be capable, right? Yeah, so that's the undertone of it all when Emma dismisses her uh, and saying, what's the use of calling Miss Bates? She'll only be very gratuitous. She'll be very, uh, she'll be very uh, full of praise and applaud and really not say anything uh, substantial, right? Yeah, so uh, that's when the character of Miss Bates is further reinforced, right? That is, that she's no good at all. But what is interesting about her is she'll be there to say that, well, I approve of everything, right? And you need people to approve, and you need also people to actually use counsel and real counsel and substance, right? So they are contrasting two women, Stokes and Miss Destin, right? We're talking about Mrs. Bates being called approving and not as a counselor, right? And then also you have this kind of, dis uh, not disgust, but a kind of uh, a mixed uh, reaction to be involved in the planning. That's Emma. To be involved in the planning is one thing, right? And try to say, well, I've been involved in the planning and the execution of the plan has to happen, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of think thinking and thought and decision going into the planning, right? So I think uh, that's what we touched upon yesterday, right? And the question of how do women uh, the idea of women who make decisions, right? Now this is a social kind of making a decision. It's not one person's decision. It's called consensus, right? And consensus is when people come together, right? Yeah. And you also have the idea of uh, a serendipity. That is, you come up with a new kind of idea because of the discussion, right? Yeah. And that's what seems to be happening over here. Okay. So uh, that's when it is not just a, a kind of a top-down thing that one person and uh, everybody is uh, forced into doing something, right? But what's important is that uh, it becomes a kind of a group collective, right? And the idea is different people contribute to their ideas, right? And that uh, Im implies that more people are involved, right? So when you get people involved, how do you get people involved? By letting people in with their own ideas if some implemented, some not implemented by consensus, right? Yeah, so if everybody agrees, well, we go ahead with the plan. That's what is going on over here, right? Yeah, and what also happens is a twist to that, right? And the twist to that and is linked up with this song called Robin Adair. I don't know whether I sent you the words, right? Yeah, so the whole idea is uh, they're singing that song and this is exactly how the... Uh, two, at least two chapters go, right? Now, Frank Churchill is called back, right? Yeah, he's called back home by Mr. Churchill because uh, Mrs. Churchill is not well, right? Yeah, and the comment over there is terrible. It's a very bitchy comment, right? Because Frank Churchill knows when uh, Miss, uh, Mrs. Churchill wants to, uh, uh, she, uh, she has her illnesses, right? Yeah. And the, the illnesses are by her needs, right? Now that's something that may be true about her and may be true about other people also, right? 
but uh, it's as a, as a woman's text, right? A woman writing a text like this, right? It doesn't show uh, Jane Austen actually in a, uh, a good light, right? But the idea is that uh, this is the kind of understanding you have about character that some people put on a show and they say that I'm sick, right? Because they want attention, etc., right? And actually, you also have a letter written by Frank Churchill uh, asking for permission, and you begin to wonder why permission, right? Uh, to stay on a little longer, right? Yeah, and the whole idea of who owns Frank Churchill, right? That becomes a more important kind of issue because the parents, the the real uh, biological father is Mr. West, right? Yeah, and uh, the Churchills are the uncle and aunt, right? So what uh, happens over there is you have this kind of uh, understanding that he has to go back and he somehow uh, emotionally attached or structurally attached to the family over there and that's why he has to leave and go, right? Yeah, so, so that's one of the reversals that you have and the ball is almost over. I don't think there's any idea of the ball at all, right? And the discourse of the ball becomes uh, very important uh, in that regard, right? That's one. And the other thing is, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you have the idea, and here you get this idea that uh, grounded term stay in Surrey. Now we know that this is Surrey, and Surrey is now very far from London, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She could think. It's so uh, impossible that Churchill might not be allowed, uh, might not allow their nephew to remain a day beyond the fourth night. Yeah, so that begins over here, and that's a twist which you have in the story, which is very, very important, right? And in the in the process, you also have this man called George Knightley, right? Who shows, and his character is built up again, right? Yeah, he's this reserved kind of man who doesn't talk. Uh, unnecessarily, right? And when he talks, he he actually has a lot of impact, right? And we must think of ourselves, right? I must think of myself, and I better limit my words, actually, right? And not talk too much, right? Because what Knightley does is, whenever he talks, people take note of him, right? Or at least Emma takes note of him, right? And now his silence is also very important to Emma, right? Okay, and his silence is very important because he doesn't comment about the ball, right? It's as if he's not even uh, uh, he's not even bothered about it, right? He's just bothered about his work, right? And for Emma, it becomes a problem, right? Uh, in, like in India, you would uh, or now in the present uh, world, you talk about somebody. Everybody knows about something that's happening and somebody doesn't even make a comment, right? And then you begin to say, well, is that person acting too pricey, right? That's the word we use today, right? Yeah, or is that person trying to show that it's not important? And is that a show or is it really that's not important, right? Yeah, and when she approaches the subject, he says, look, I have to settle accounts with Mrs. Mr. Larkin, right? And uh, so when the ball is called off because Frank Churchill has to go, first of all, your Robin Adair comes up, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yes, 
that's true, whoever made that comment, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, so the idea of uh, pricing, right? Yeah, is, oh, you try to uh, uh, remain unattainable, right? Yeah, so that's what looks like it, but he's actually got work, and he's got to actually be with Larkin, and Emma takes it as, well, I don't really quite, quite want it, right? Yeah, I'm, I don't really care about what he's doing, but uh, that he doesn't talk about it at all uh, is uh, important, right? Yep. And that kind of silence, uh, that this kind of silence implies, and that this silence is thought about, right? And the novelist makes uh, a mention of the silence, right? That means the silence is as important, right? So when we're talking about how is the character of um, uh, George Knightley built up, right? You get him and all the things that Mrs. Weston and Emma are talking at the ball, right? And we also get what is happening over here when he doesn't make a comment and uh, he's expected to make a comment. And when he's asked about the ball, he says, well, I'm not, I may not be able to do that because I've got other uh, uh, preoccupations, right? Yeah. And uh, the question about talking about who danced and who uh, uh, the whole idea of who danced and who didn't dance, all those kind of issues become important, right? And uh, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we, we may need to read that, right? Yeah, and the idea is uh, who danced and who didn't dance, all those things become important, right? And uh, that's an issue that Churchill talks about, right? Uh, yeah, uh, not Churchill, uh, Knightley uh, is talking about Right? Yeah, so what else uh, do we have over here? Then the next chapter is about uh, leaving, right? And you get uh, Frank Churchill leaving, right? And the comment is that you can make out that he is very much in love with Emma, right? So he has to go and pay a visit to Emma's house, right? Yeah, and also what she has said, and that's from the beginning, she has to remind herself that she's not going to let, uh, that's of course in the next chapter, right? She has to remind herself that she's not going to let uh, herself get married because she's decided not to get married, whatever reason for, but she's decided not to get married and she has to remind herself not to let herself go even with Frank Churchill, though she likes the idea it, from the reading the text, you can know that she likes the kind of approval she's getting from Frank and also the fact that Frank is possibly in love with her, right? So that's a, a build-up of the novel, right? And you get her and you get the idea that Frank has gone and seen Jane Fairfax, right? So that's something else that comes into play. And uh, the idea is, uh, again, the sickness comes in when to the end of the chapter, you have the idea of uh, this... Uh, woman called Jane Fairfax looking as if she's really sick, right? So that it becomes a kind of issue, right? And we've been told that she's come here because she's sick. And you see what the, what the discourse is, right? The discourse about her being sick is uh, linked up with the idea of her being in love with uh, what's Mr. Dixon, right? Yep. And uh, probably Dixon was in love with her and all that kind of thing, but they thought it was not suitable, etc., because she didn't have money, right? Or 
uh, and that kind of thing. And that's why he married uh, Miss Campbell, right? Yeah, so you have all this kind of rumor mongering and uh, this kind of putting two and two together to build what you call a discourse or a gossip circle, right? Yeah, so at one level you have that and the other level you have the fact that here you find, uh, you actually see that uh, Jane is not too well, right? Now, what is important is Frank uh, uses a lot of very uh, polite kinds of ways of going about things and he has to wait, he actually thinks of going for about three minutes to the bases, but he is to wait for a longer time, right? Because Miss Bates is not there, and if he he leaves before Miss Bates go uh, comes back, right? It will look as if he is uh, not paying her enough of courtesy, right? Yeah. So all those kind of uh, the idea of courtesy, the idea of uh, uh, injuring the ego of somebody else, is of course very nice at one level, right? And the idea of neighborliness becomes important because they're just neighbors and acquaintances and they're not really, really related to the other. But the idea is how do you behave uh, genuinely, right? It's not about the show uh, only, but it's about the genuineness also, right? So that comes across because he is not trying to, uh, he has to actually wait as a gentleman, he has to wait for Mrs. Uh, Miss Bates to return wherever she had gone for to, right? And come back because only when that happens will you find that uh, he is uh, quite okay, right? Yeah, he is behaved in the right manner, right? And he says, I will still have to go to Highbury, right? And Highbury to see Emma, right? And all those uh, kind of things that he says over there shows, uh, and he said, I he enjoyed the uh, the the, uh, the 15 days that he was there, right, or the fortnight that he was there, and uh, he's also talking about how it meant a lot to him. Yeah, so that's the courtesies that have been paid. It looks as if he's very uh, fond of Emma, right, or in love with Emma as a novelist. The, the authorial comment is that he's in love with Emma, right, yeah, and uh, Emma can definitely make it out, right, uh, so that's again something that builds up the idea or the character of Frank Churchill, okay, or what we think of him, right? And uh, he, in spite of knowing that Miss Churchill is just putting on, uh, putting on this idea of uh, faking it, not faking it, but putting up a show that she's sick, right? In spite of knowing that, he uh, goes back because the father uh, or his foster father has sent him a letter saying that it's so, right? Yep. And of course, the the portion of the letter uh, which uh, is is uh, is communicated to Emma, right? So you have Emma coming to know that Frank Churchill is to go because of this woman, uh, Mrs. Churchill, right? And uh, he has to pay a, a, a visit, right? So he has to pay Jane a visit, right? And he he has to be polite. To Mr. Bates, so the idea of the politeness comes in, right? And then the discourse on the ball also happens because what is interesting is the ball is called off, right? And that's why the play piece that I played yesterday 
this Robin Adair become so important, right? Uh, did you get the words of it, right? Yes or no? Yeah? I think we'll, we just put the words on so we can just go through the words and see how it, they are. I sent it, but I don't know whether I sent it. Yeah. I hope this is... Yeah, I don't know how to... I can, uh, yeah, maybe I'll just use the, oh no, I have I closed the window, this is okay, right, uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just, we'll do this, because we can see what is going on, oh no, how do I do that, yeah, present now. Is not coming up. Someone to select share screen. Share three? Yeah, I, I've. Share one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Presenting to everybody. Can you see? No. Can you see the words and all that? No, not coming up? Yeah, I've, I've selected that, but this is not coming up. Can you yes, see? Yes, we can see it. Okay, right? Yeah, so. The words, of course, are here, but and they say that is by Ka Lady Caroline Keppel, right? But otherwise, the origin of the piece is not known, right? Yeah, and you say, uh, what's this dull town to me? Robin's not here. What what was I wished to see? Uh, what wished to hear? Where all the joy and mirth? May this town, heaven and earth, oh, they're all fled with thee, Robin Adair, right? Now, you can see the purpose of the song, right? It looks as if the song is inconsequential when they mention it and uh, Jane is playing and they're singing and all that. Yeah. What made the assembly shine, Robin Adair? What made the ball so fine, Robin was there? Uh, what, when the play was over, what made my heart so sore? Oh, it was parting with Robin Adair. But now thou art, thou art cold to me, Robin Adair. But now thou art cold to me, Robin Adair. Yet, uh, he I love so well, still in my heart shall dwell. Oh, I can never forget Robin Adair. Yeah, yeah. So, is that okay? Right? So, what are we doing over here? We are actually taking uh, the, you, you're actually seeing what's going on, right? And that's why the song is important because it's uh, it's not a very important song. And it's not, the words are not moving or anything of the song. 
uh, yeah, it's it's only a very traditional kind of song that somebody is missing, right? And uh, that's all. Yeah, you find that it's it's not even the words are not even great, right? But it's it's a folk song which uh, is quite popular, perhaps, right? But so that's why, uh, and it's part of the culture over there, right? Yeah, so it's uh, we all sing uh, songs which perhaps we like, right? And they're folk uh, songs, so that's why they are there, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so what else uh, do we talk about, right? Yeah. So the idea of the visits, yeah, and Emma is very, uh, uh, yeah. And then what what becomes clear is that uh, Mr. Knightley. Uh, asked about the health of Jane, right, and uh, Miss Bates, etc., and the Bateses, right, only because uh, he's being uh, polite, right, so that's something uh, else that happens, right, and this idea that uh, Knightley is interested in Jane, which is a story that Mrs. Weston uh, is uh, trying to uh, build up upon, right? Yeah, and this these little gossipy things become important, right? Because she's trying to build up this idea that he's in love, and then he squashes it up, right? By saying that he's not sent the piano, right? You remember that kind of piece at the Cole's party, right? And here you get uh, him. Uh, they actually saying that look, uh, he's only bothered because it's uh, a kind of a polite kind of way of talking about people, right? And he's not in love with Jane Fairfax at all, right? So that's something else that is, again, an authorial kind of way of saying that, right? And again about Frank Churchill, uh, then it's about uh, what's going on, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, any, anybody else wants to say anything? Yeah, so the indifference of Knightley, that's one, right? Uh, yeah, and... Uh, they were talking about the Westerns and there's there a lot of uh, talk about the idea that uh, the, the Westerns would get disturbed, etc, etc. And uh, you also have the idea of what do they serve, okay, and Mrs. Weston says, well, let's have sandwiches and what else do we do? And sandwiches are quite right for the ball, right? Yeah, so you have that kind of, not really a supper, but you have sandwiches, right? And uh, we remember the the idea of the crown where they're talking about the card room where people can play cards and that's a small room and that's not good enough for a supper. And now they're talking about what do we give them for supper, right? So the idea of the management of the ball becomes something, right? And now you have the disappointment, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so the idea is because he's going away, Right here, you have the idea of the ball also getting uh, um, into store, cold storage, you might say. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And here you get also this thing of Mrs. Churchill was unwell, far too unwell to do without him. Yeah, she had been in suffering state. So said her husband. And when writing to his nephew two days before, though from her unusual unwillingness to give pain and constant habit of never thinking of herself, she had not mentioned it, but now she was too ill to trifle. 
and mass entreat him to set off for Enscom without delay, right? Uh, the substance led, yeah, so you have all that again, yeah. He knew her illness, illnesses, they never occurred but for her own convenience. That's the author's comment, right? So the author is saying that, uh, that is a third person narration, right? And he knew that's what's going on in his mind. He knew that she has put this up because he's not there and she wants him there and she is uh, either needs him because she's a fond of him or she misses him or something of the sort, right? Yeah, so, and that's why she's put up the sickness so that he comes back. Otherwise, the husband says that she never shows that she's sick, right? And she's very self-effacing as a wife should be, right? That's the way the husband portrays her. And this is what the author says about uh, what Frank thinks of her, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, of all the horrid things, take leave-taking is the worst, right? So we've had the song, which is about uh, Robin Adair, and he's not there, and every, because of him, the whole world is collapsed, right? We, and uh, we, we uh, can't really do anything with, uh, I mean, we are, we're totally helpless without him, right? Now that's something of a, a, a uh, this is a kind of sexist build-up, right? That is saying, that this is the center of the piece, this is the center of the house, uh, of the village, right? Or this is the center of the party, right? Yeah, that's one. And the other thing is about the young people uh, opening sashes and the doors, which we talked about yesterday, right? Somebody might open the door, right? And the, the idea of young people being irresponsible and how would they have uh, a dance in a, with the windows open, right? Because of the heat and the body getting hot, uh, with um, motion, with moving around, right? And the idea of the cold air uh, on the body, which would probably give them all a chill, right? Yeah, so all those kind of issues, uh, they're talking about the climate, yeah? And they're also talking about the idea of, uh, uh, the idea of the, the carelessness of young people, right? Yeah, who don't think and not, don't take responsibility. Right? And what is interesting is Emma is in all this conversation, right? Emma, Emma is one of the planners, right? So where does she actually fit, right? With all the older people uh, as a planner, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, so that's where she fits, right? Yeah, and she's also one of the young people, right? Yeah, so they're making comments about the young people and what's interesting is Emma is in that kind of a panel where you're talking about young people, right? And talking about young people being irresponsible, right? And uh, that's something that is still talked about, right? And you don't, uh, you think that because they're young and because they're youthful, they're not responsible, right? So that's something that uh, is uh, very prominent in this uh, uh, narration, right? Yeah, the loss of the ball, the loss of the young man and all that the young man might be feeling, it was too wretched such a delightful evening as it would have been uh, everybody so happy and she and a partner the happiest I said it would be so was the only consolation right uh, so it's uh, the idea of what had to happen and the disappointment right now when we're talking about that kind of disappointment we're also talking about the idea of 
uh, Harriet, right? Harriet and the, the hopes that she builds up with uh, Mr. Martin, right? And Jane makes her change that, right? The, the hopes that she builds up with, uh, what's the other name? Uh, who's the, the other band? Uh, not Stokes. Yeah. Elton, right? Yeah. So that's the second thing that builds up and that's a disappointment again, right? Now, here Emma also has a disappointment because she builds up hope about the ball, not about the person that is kind of shaded, right? It's not quite open, right? Though she mentions Charles, uh, Charles uh, Frank Churchill before he comes to the town, right? Yeah. So there's already a mention and she's pairing herself with him, right? And over here you have the idea that there's a disappointment, right? Yeah, her feelings, her father's feelings were quite distinct. He thought principally of Mrs. Churchill's illness and wanted to know how she was treated. And as for the ball, it was shocking to have dear Emma disappointed, but they would all be safe at home, right? Now the idea is the ball is over and they would be safe at home and that's it, right? Emma was ready for a visitor sometime before he appeared, but if this reflected at all upon his impatience, the sorrowful look and total want of spirit when he came, uh, when he did come, might redeem him. He felt uh, the going away almost too much to speak of it. His dejection was almost evident. He sat really lost in thought for the first few minutes when rousing himself, it was only to say, of all things, horrid things, leave taking is the worst. Okay, now this is a very guarded kind of statement, right? It's a very philosophical statement. It's a very, uh, it's a kind of a deep sentence that you have, right? Which says, uh, it's almost making a statement about humanity, right? Where it says, of all horrid things, leave taking is the worst. But you will come again, said Emma. This will not be your only visit to Randall's. Ah, shaking his head, the uncertainty of when I may be able to return, I shall try for it with zeal. It will be the object of my thoughts and cares. And if my uncle and aunt go to town this spring, but I'm afraid they did not stir last spring. I'm afraid it is a custom gone forever, right? Our poor ball must be quite given up. Ah, the ball, that did we wait for anything? Why not seize the pleasure at once, right? How often it, yeah, so now, uh, what's interesting about the, the narrative is all these kind of aphoristic lines, right? And now you go back to the idea of carpe diem, right? How, do, why do you seize the day? Why do we plan things at all, right? You get that in Hamlet, when Hamlet says, when our deep plans fall, right, or pale, right? whatever that is, right, yeah? So he's talking, yeah, so he says, uh, what's the use of planning, right? Yeah, and here again is the idea of carpe diem, which is seize the day, right? So we should actually have the ball at the spur of a moment. Why did we have so much planning, right? And now that, all that is gone and the ball is gone, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, Mr. Moosewidows, why are you doing always so right? Yeah. At our ball, why did we wait for anything? Why not seize the pleasure once? How often it 
is happiness destroyed by preparation, foolish preparation. You told us uh, it would be so. Oh, Miss Woodhouse, why, why are you always so right? Indeed, I'm very sorry to be right in this instant. I would much rather have been merrier than wise, right? And she says, I'm very happy. It might have been better that I was happier than wise because my wisdom has proved or what you call a black tongue, right? Yeah. So when somebody says, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. And then right away it happens, right? And that's what you call a black tongue, right? Whatever that means, right? If I can come again, we are still to have our ball. My father depends on it. Do not forget your engagement. Emma, look gracious. Such a fortnight as has been, he continued, every day. Yeah, it's almost an echo of on such a night. You remember that? That's from, uh, that's from uh, uh, the, the, the kind of the kind of stichometheia that you have in Merchant of Venice, right? Yeah, on such a night as this, and Jessica and Lorenzo are doing that, right? Yeah, uh, uh, so uh, on such a fortnight as has been, he continued, every day more precious, more delightful than the day before, every day making me less fit to bear any other place. Happy those who can remain at Highbury, right? Yeah, so, uh, you get echoes and uh, this happy those right is almost uh, the echo from the bible that is uh, the beatitudes right yeah uh, so it says blessed are the poor in spirit yeah happy okay so it, it goes on in that kind of liturgical manner right yeah happy those who can remain at highbury right so this is a kind of Almost a eulogy, right, is saying, well, Highbury is such a happy place and you can see that he's in love with her, right, yeah. Uh, As you do such an ample justice now, said Emma, laughing, I will venture to ask whether you did not come a little doubtingly at first. Do you, do not we rather surpass your expectation? I'm sure we do. I'm sure you did not expect to like us. You would not have been so long in coming if you had had a pleasant idea of Highbury, right? So she's saying, well, now you've changed your opinion about this little place that we have, okay, in Surrey, right? Yeah, and Highbury you thought was not going to be as interesting as London or any other place, right? And what happens is that you've changed your mind about us and you've understood the place better, you've understood us better, and you think that things are not as bad as you thought they would be, right? Of course, what is interesting is uh, there's a student, of, an old student of mine from North Gujarat, right? And uh, he made this Kashmir tour, uh, that's some years ago, right? And uh, he, he's a social worker, right? And uh, one of the things that he says is very strange that Almost every one of us, or every one of the local Kashmiris asked him, do you find us good, right? Yeah, why have they spread all these rumors about us that we are bad people? We are very nice and hospitable people, right? And that's about all the hill people all over. They're very, very warm. You go to Shimla, you go everywhere else, right? The hill people are a different kind of people, right? 
yeah uh, yeah so he laughed uh, rather consciously and though denying uh, the sentiment Emma was convinced that it had been so and you must be off this very morning yes my father is to join me here we shall walk back together and I must be off immediately I am almost afraid that every moment will bring him not five minutes to spare even for your friends Miss Fairfax and Miss Bates how unlucky Miss Bates is powerful argumentative mind might have strengthened yours, right? Yeah, so the idea is uh, you you get some kind of an undercurrent that is going on, right? And there's a kind of what was shown of uh, Emma in the beginning when Jane Fairfax is supposed to visit the place, right? Okay, she, uh, she has this kind of jealousy for her, right? And this jealousy comes out in different ways. One is uh, pitying her, the other is looking at her and saying that well you have to visit your friends uh, haven't you haven't you gone and visited them right and then you get this whole idea of not five minutes to spare even for your friends miss Fair fairfax and miss bates right how unlucky miss bates powerful argument yeah yes i have called there passing the door i thought it better right so he uh, he he goes and uh, actually says that well i was there and i just stay yeah and she's a woman that one may, uh, yeah, yeah. Now he's talking about Bates. I went out for three minutes and was detained by Miss Bates being Bates's being absent. She was out, and I felt it impossible not to want uh, wait till she came back, came in. She's a woman that one may, uh, that one must laugh at, but that word that would not be. Uh, not wish to slight. I was better. It was better to pay me my visit then, right? Yeah. So it's you might want to laugh at her, right? And you might want to laugh at her, and you may laugh at her, but you can't slight her, right? To slight her means to ignore her and to make her feel bad that you've ignored her, right? Uh, he hesitated, got up, walked to a window. In short, said he, perhaps Miss Woodhouse. I think. You can hardly be quite without suspicion. He looked at her as if wanting to read through her thoughts. She hardly knew what to say. It seemed like the forerunner of something absolutely serious, which she did not wish. Forcing himself to speak, therefore, in the hope of putting it by, she calmly said, You were quite in the right. It was most natural to pay your visit then. Right? Now the question is, the high emotion right the high emotion which is clamped down by this kind of politeness right and that's one of the interesting things when you read the text very closely right uh, so she's saying well you were right and she's pushing off the emotion that she feels she's putting pushing off the emotion that he's showing right and they're being polite and civil he was silent she believed he was looking at her probably reflecting on what she had said and trying to understand the manner she heard him sigh. It was natural for him to feel that he had caused a sigh. Uh, he could not believe her to be encouraging him. A few awkward moments passed and he sat down again and in a more determined manner said, It was something to feel that all the rest of my time might be given to Hartfield. My regard for Hartfield is most warm. 
right? Now, he's talking about the place, he's talking about the house, instead of talking about the woman, right? And said, well, yeah, and it's actually saying things to her, but he's not saying things to her, he's saying heart feel, right? Yeah, and the, the word heart feel becomes, it's a very, uh, today we might look at it as a very cheap way of writing, right? Where you have a name, like you have heart house, in Dickens's hard times, right? Yeah, and so the character is called Heart House, right? And he's a person who falls in love, etc. And this is called Heart Field, right? Yeah, so the idea of the emotion and the heart is there. And of course, today uh, we might have a problem with it, right? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, yeah, he stopped again, rose again, seemed quite embarrassed, right? So the idea is. This is uncomfortable, right? Because there's a lot of emotion there, and this is emotion of young people who, as we say today, uh, they've got the hormones, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this is embarrassed. Uh, he was more in love with her than Emma had supposed, right? So this is the authorial voice, right? It's saying this. And who can say how it might have ended if his father had not made his appearance? Mr. Woodhouse, yeah. So the idea is the far, and who can say how it might have ended? That is, would he make a curtsy to her or would he kiss her hand? Because I don't know whether uh, they were as bold as they are now, right? Because uh, if you go to London today, you'll find school ch uh, children uh, on the train kissing uh, quite a lot, right? Yeah, and they don't have a problem about it in spite of uh, other people there, right? At this point of time, so she says, if the father had not come, how would it have ended, right? Would he have kissed her? Would he have given her a hug? All those kind of things. Uh, or uh, would that be, uh, yeah, would that, of course, nothing more than that, right? It's not any bed scenes or anything of the sort like you have in the modern movies at all, right? Yeah, that, this is too formal a setting, right? Uh, it was more in love, uh, yeah, a very, uh, a very few minutes more, however, completed the present tra uh, trial, uh, Miss, Mr. Weston always alert when business was to be done, and as incapable of procrastinating any evil that was inevitable, as of foreseeing any that was doubtful said, it was time to go, and the young man, though he might and did sigh, could not but agree and rise to take leave, right? So he says, uh, the leaving is the, the worst thing of all, etc. Right? I shall hear about uh, you all, said he. And now he's talking about, I'm going to hear about you, my father's going to write about you, and uh, all these kind of things said. I shall, uh, yeah, so, uh, so he, uh, that's how he's going to get news, right? We don't have mobiles, we don't have texting, we don't have phones, okay? We only have letters by which you can come to know people. And a letter takes still a long time, even if it's from one place to another, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is very early days of the letter, right? Uh, and uh, you don't have the post kind of post offices that you have, right? You uh, get people who uh, give you letters, or oh, somebody is coming there to the place, hands in the letter, etc., right? A very friendly shake of the hand, a very earnest goodbye, uh, uh, close the speech, and the door had soon shut out Frank Churchill. Short had been the notice. Short their meeting. It was gone and Emma felt so sorry to part and foresaw 
so great a loss to their little society from his absence as to begin to be afraid of being too sorry and feeling too much. Right? Yeah. So now uh, the idea of feeling becomes very important, right? But then the question is, this is stopped and the short meeting, the short stay, everything short, right? And also uh, the involvement is uh, short, right? It was a sad change, right? Very short sentence that they have been meeting almost every day since his arrival. Certainly his being at Randall's had given great spirit to the last two weeks. Indescribable spirit. The idea, the expectation of seeing him, which every morning had brought uh, the assurance of his attention, his liveliness, his manners. It had been a very happy fortnight. The forlorn must be uh, sinking from it into the common course of Hartfield days. To complete every other recommendation, he had almost told her that he loved her. Right? He had almost told her that. What strength or what constantly, constancy of affection he might be subject to was another point. But at present, she could not doubt his having a decidedly warm admiration, a conscious preference of herself. And yeah, so the idea of the constancy goes back to Shakespeare's sonnet 116, right? Yeah, so uh, love is not, so the idea is, let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Yeah, love is not love which is alteration finds, etc. Right? So she's saying, what about his constancy? Right? But she was uh, taken up by his warm admiration, a conscious preference of herself, and her persuasion, joined to all the rest, made her think that she must be a little in love with him, in spite of every previous determination against him. Right? Now she's actually trying to force herself not to be in love, right? She's already made up her mind not to get married, yeah? So that kind of uh, the very strong uh, mental decision is something that we see in her, right? So how does she come across as a character, right? I certainly must, she said, the sensations of listlessness, weariness, stupidity, this disinclination to sit down and employ myself, this feeling of everything being dull and inspired, right? So we actually go back to Robin Adair and they're talking about the dull world and all that kind of thing, right? Dull and inspired about the house. I must be in love. I should be the oddest creature in the world if I were not. For a few weeks at least. Well, right? So she's saying, and that goes back to the, uh, the line which comes later, that is uh, in Tennyson, right? It's better to have loved and lost. And she says, well, let's admit it. I must have been in love. Right? At least for a few days, a few weeks, right? Yeah? So the idea is, is it a, today we have a word like crush, right? In love, in crush, and you have something called infatuation, right? Yeah? When you think that you're in love with somebody or in love with love itself, right? So that's what's called uh, the idea of the romantic, right? And when somebody is in love with somebody, we normally, if we're thinking of uh, the romantic terms, you don't fall in love with anybody, but you fall in the idea of being in love, right? Yeah, and that's of course uh, a kind of a nice warm feeling that uh, perhaps people feel, right? Uh, well, uh, evil to some is always good to others. I shall have many fellow mourners for the ball, if not for Frank Churchill, but Mr. Knightley will be happy. 
he may spend his evening with his dear William Larkins. Now, if he likes, right? Now, who is she telling him to? She's probably, this is a little bit of a soliloquy, right? To show her, uh, to show the mind of Emma, right? And the, the barb is, well, Mrs. Knight, Mr. Knightley can now have no problems about the boy because he can spend his time with uh, William uh, Larkin, right? And uh, that's what he said. He couldn't come for the ball. He wouldn't be in, bothered about the ball because they take uh, to look at, into the accounts of William Larkin, right? Uh, yeah. Mr. Knightley, however, should no triumph uh, show, yeah? And she spelled it as should, yeah? S-H-E-W-E-D, right? No, so you get spelling variations, right? No triumphant happiness. He could not say that he was sorry on his own account. Very, uh, his very cheerful look would have contracted him if, it ha if he had, but he said, and very steadily, that he was sorry for the disappointment of the others and was considerably, uh, and with considerable kindness added, you Emma, you have so few opportunities of dancing. You're really out of luck. You're very much out of luck, right? Now, this is again, this kind of English understatement, right? Yeah. Uh, so he says, well, you're just out of luck and a very, okay? It's not like, oh, how sorry it is, right? Yeah, so you have so few opportunities to have a dance and now you're out of luck, okay? And you really little opportunities to learn dancing and now what? you're out of luck, right? It was some days before she saw Jane Fairfax to judge of her honest regret in this woeful change, right? Now the idea is, uh, she imagines that Jane Fairfax would actually feel sorry because uh, the the Robin Hood day of the song is actually Frank Churchill and he's gone away, right? But that is not what happens. But when they did meet, her uh, composure was odious, okay? She had been particularly unwell, however, suffering from headache to a degree which made her aunt declare that had the ball taken place, she did not think Jane could have attended it and was uh, and it was charity to impute some of her unbecoming indifference to the languor of her ill health, right? So the question is, Jane, the, the idea of the jealousy and how Austin treats the jealousy and the idea is what happens in the text, right? So the jealousy of uh, Emma comes up with the idea of Jane Fairfax, right? And one is, uh, this fellow feels sorry for her, that is nightly. Oh, there's a dance and you can't go for the dance. And she thinks that Jane Fairfax will really have suffered because uh, she must be equally in love with uh, this man called, uh, what's his name? Uh, Frank Churchill, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's what you call competition, right? So two, two people, are competing for one man, right? And this is a very competitive kind of uh, uh, thing that happens when people are interested in uh, another person, right? Of the other sex, of course, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what happens over here, right? And that's when it 
the whole novel borders on this idea of the romance, right? Yeah. But of course, the reality immediately comes in, and it's surprising that Jane Austen is already writing a realistic novel instead of a romantic novel, right? Yeah. And here, the sickness of this man called uh, uh, this woman called Jane Fairfax is actually something that would have prevented her from coming for the ball, right? Yeah. So. Uh, that means the pianist, the musician would have not been there. Yeah. So what would you have, right? And the question is, they're talking about the music and the arrangement of music, but the music would be from the pianist, right? Without the pianist, how would you play? Okay. Uh, I I don't uh, I don't even imagine that there would be other kinds of ways of getting music in unless they had to pay for a band or get somebody else from the from the little settlement that they had. To get the music because there were no tape recorders, there were no gramophones, none of those things existed, right? Yeah, so I think that's important to look at, right? And to see that when you had music, you had to have only live music, right? Yeah, and that's a huge kind of a change that we see today, right? Because today, uh, when we, if you want music, and even if you want to dance, you can put on uh, your laptop, right, and put speakers to them. And have your dance, right? All that kind of arrangement is not uh, too cumbersome anymore, right? Yeah, so that's something else that uh, we have to think of, right? And that's one of the things that going back to this novel actually uh, does to me, right? Because this is after years I'm going back to this novel, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, well, when I, I read it, I was in school and well, I don't even remember very much of it, right? Yeah. But I uh, so, but now after learning about postcoloniality, right? About the structure of the novel, about characters and character build-up, right? And about the whole idea of the romantic, right? The novel becomes quite different, right? So you see that there's this element of the realistic coming in, right? And you get this idea of the romantic, that is leave-taking, the whole idea of how attached people get to each other. Okay, they fall in love with each other, or almost fall in love, even if they don't have. This is a crush, actually. Today, in today's terms, we'd call it a crush, right? Though Jane Austen calls it, well, she thinks that she's in love with him, and he thinks that she, he, he's in love with her, and the author thinks that they're in love. Okay, all that kind of thing is going on. But the idea is today we might just call it a crush, right? Yeah, because uh, I think that's what it actually is, right? Yeah, so it looks as if. And that's what happens when uh, people come together, and that's how friendships will begin. And sometimes they land up in love and becomes a long-term relationship, and maybe it ends in marriage, right? Yeah. Okay then. Uh, now I'm not going to. Uh, I'll maybe do about three or four chapters at a time. Is that okay with you all, or is this or is that too fast? I don't know. Yeah, because I I can't. Uh, get all that because once I was teaching the criticism course and I went very fast and people said well that's too fast right so to slow down and slow down to their speed right so I don't really know where to hit right what kind of speed do I give you right so that's an issue that I have right so uh,